Part Four of Temple Trouble by H. Beam Piper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Four. By noon of the next day, Verkan Vall had at least a hundred men gathered in the big room at the first-level Fissionables Refinery at Jalabar, spatially coexistent with the fourth-level Temple of Yatsar at Serb. He was having a little trouble distinguishing between them, for every man wore the fringed blue robe and golden mitre of an upper priest, and had his face masked behind a blue false beard. It was, he admitted to himself, a most ludicrous-looking assemblage. One of the most ludicrous things about it was the fact that it would have inspired only pious awe in a hulgrim of the fourth-level Proto-Aryan sector. About half of them were priests from the Trans-Temporal Mining Corporation's temples. The other half were members of the Paratime Police. All of them wore, in addition to their temple knives, holstered sigma-ray needlers. Most of them carried ultrasonic paralyzers, eighteen-inch baton-like things with bulbous ends. Most of the Paratime Police, and a few of the priests, also carried either heat-ray pistols or neutron disruption blasters. Verkan Vall wore one of the latter in a left-hand belt holster. The Paratime Police were lined up separately for inspection, and Stranor Sleth, Tamad Drab of the Zurb Temple, and several other high priests were checking the authenticity of their disguises. A little apart from the others, a Paratime Policeman in a high priest's robes and beard had a square box slung in front of him. He was fiddling with knobs and buttons on it, practicing. A big idol of Yat-Zar, on anti-gravity, was floating slowly about the room in obedience to its remote controls, rising and lowering, turning about and pirouetting gracefully. Hey, Val, he called to his superior. How's this? The idol rose about five feet, turned slowly in a half-circle, moved to the right a little, and then settled slowly toward the floor. Fine, fine, Harv, Verkan Val told him. But don't set it down on anything or turn off the anti-gravity. There's enough collapsed nickel-plating on that thing to sink it a yard in soft ground." "'I don't know what the idea of that was,' Brannad Klob, standing beside him, said. "'Understand, I'm not criticizing. I haven't any right to, under the circumstances. But it seems to me that armoring that thing in collapsed nickel was an unnecessary precaution.' "'Maybe it was,' Verkan Vall agreed. "'I sincerely hope so.' But we can't take any chances. This operation has to be absolutely right. Ready, Tamond? All right. First detail, into the conveyor. He turned and strode toward a big dome of fine metallic mesh, thirty feet high and sixty in diameter, at the other end of the room. Tamad Drav and his ten paratimer priests, and Branad Klav and ten paratimer police, followed him in. One of the latter slid shut the door and locked it. Verkan Vall went to the control desk at the center of the dome and picked up a two-foot globe of the same fine metallic mesh, opening it and making some adjustments inside, then attaching an electric cord and closing it. He laid the globe on the floor near the desk and picked up the hand battery at the other end of the attached cord. "'Not taking any chances at all, are you?' Bernard Klav asked, watching the operation with interest. "'I never do, unnecessarily.' There are too many necessary chances that have to be taken in this work. Verkan Vall pressed the button on the hand battery. The globe of the floor flashed and vanished. Yesterday five paratimers were arrested. Any or all of them could have had door activators with them. Stranor Sleth says they were not tortured, but 
That is a purely inferential statement. They may have been, and the use of the activator may have been extorted from one of them. So I want to look at the inside of that conveyor chamber before we transpose into it. He laid the hand battery with the loose dangling wire that had been left behind on the desk, then lit a cigarette. The others gathered around, smoking and watching, careful to avoid the place from which the globe had vanished. Thirty minutes passed, and then, in a queer iridescence, the globe reappeared. Verkan Vall counted ten seconds and picked it up, taking it to the desk and opening it to remove a small square box. This he slid into a space under the desk and flipped a switch. Instantly a view-screen lit up and a three-dimensional picture appeared, the interior of a big room a hundred feet square and some seventy in height. There was a big desk and a radio, tables, couches, chairs, and an arms-rack full of weapons, and at one end a remarkably clean sixty-foot circle on the concrete floor, outlined in faintly luminous red. How about it? Verkenval asked Tamadrov. Anything wrong? The Serb high priest shook his head. Just as we left it, he said. Nobody's been inside since we left. One of the policemen took Verkhanval's place at the control desk, and threw the master switch, after checking the instruments. Immediately the paratemporal transposition field went on with a humming sound that mounted to a high scream, then settled to a steady drone. The mesh-dome flickered with a cold iridescence and vanished, and they were looking into the interior of a great fissionables refinery plant operated by paratimers on another first-level timeline. The structural details altered from timeline to timeline as they watched. Buildings appeared and vanished. Once for a few seconds they were inside a cool insulated bubble in the midst of mold and lead. Tamadrav jerked a thumb at it before it vanished. That always bothers me, he said. Bad place for the field to go weak. I'm fussy as an old hen about inspection of the conveyor on account of that. Don't blame you, Verkhan Vall agreed. Probably the cooling system of a breeder pile. They passed more swiftly now across the second level and the third. Once they were in the midst of a huge land battle, with great tank-like vehicles spouting flame at one another. Another moment was spent in an air bombardment. On any timeline this section of East Europe was a natural battleground. Once a great procession marched toward them, carrying red banners and huge pictures of a coarse-faced man with a black mustache. Verkhan Vall recognized the environment as fourth-level Europo-America sector. Finally, as the transposition rate slowed, they saw a clutter of miserable thatched huts in the rear of a granite wall of a fourth-level Holgan temple of Yat-Zar, a temple not yet infiltrated by Trans-Temporal Mining Corporation agents. Finally they were at their destination. The dome around them became visible, and an overhead green light flashed slowly on and off. Verkan Vall opened the door and stepped outside, his needler drawn. The house of Yatzar was just as he had seen it in the picture photographed by the automatic reconnaissance conveyor. The others crowded outside after him. One of the regular priests pulled off his mitre and beard and went to the radio, putting on a headset. Verkan Vall and Tamadrav snapped on the visi-screen, getting a view of the Holy of Holies outside. There were six men there, seated at the upper priest's banquet table, drinking from golden goblets. Five of them wore the black robes with green facings, 
which marked them as priests of Muz-Azin. The sixth was an officer of the Chuldun archers in gilded mail and helmet. Why, those are the sacred vessels of the temple, Tamadrav cried, scandalized. Then he laughed in self-ridicule. I'm beginning to take this stuff seriously myself. Time I put in for a long vacation. I was actually shocked at the sacrilege. Well, let's overtake the infidels in their sins, Verkan Vall said. Paralyzers will be good enough. He picked up one of the bulb-headed weapons and unlocked the door. Tamadrav and another of the priests of the Zurb temple following, and the others crowding behind, they passed out through the veils and burst into the Holy of Holies. Verkan Vall pointed the bulb of his paralyzer at the six seated men and pressed the button. Other paralyzers came into action and the whole sextet were knocked senseless. The officer rolled from his chair and fell to the floor in a clatter of armor. Two of the priests slumped forward on the table. The others merely sank back in their chairs, dropping their goblets. "'Give each one of them another dose to make sure,' Verkan Vall directed a couple of his own men. "'Now, Tamand, any other way into the main temple beside that door?' "'Up those steps,' Tamad Drav pointed. "'There's a gallery along the side. We can cover the whole room from there.' Take your men and go up there. I'll take a few through the door. There'll be about twenty archers out there, and we don't want any of them loosing any arrows before we can knock them out. Three minutes be time enough? Easily. Make it two, Tamandrav said. He took his priests up the stairway and vanished into the gallery of the temple. Verkan Vall waited until one minute had passed, and then, followed by Branad Klav and a couple of paratime policemen, he went under the plinth and peered out into the temple. Five or six archers, in steel caps and sleeveless leather jackets sewn with steel rings, were gathered around the altar, cooking something in a pot on the fire. Most of the others, like veteran soldiers, were sprawled on the floor trying to catch a short nap, except half a dozen, who crouched in a circle playing some game with dice, another almost universal military practice. The two minutes were up. He aimed his paralyzer at the men around the altar and squeezed the button, swinging it from one to another and knocking them down with a bludgeon of inaudible sound. At the same time, Tamandrav and his detail were stunning the gamblers. Stepping forward and to one side, Verkan Vall, Branad Klob, and the others took care of the sleepers on the floor. In less than thirty seconds every children in the temple was incapacitated. All right, make sure none of them come out of it prematurely, Verkan Vall directed. Get their weapons, and be sure nobody has a knife or anything hidden on him. Who has the syringe and the sleep drug ampules? Somebody had, it developed, who was still on the first level to come up with the second conveyor load. Verkan Vall swore. Something like this always happened on any operation involving more than half a dozen men. Well, some of you stay here, patrol around, and use your paralyzers on anybody who even twitches a muscle. Ultrasonics were nice, effective, humane police weapons, but they were unreliable. The same dose that would keep one man out for an hour would paralyze another for no more than ten or fifteen minutes. And be sure none of them are playing possum. He went back through the door under the plinth glancing up at the decorated wooden screen and wondering how much work it would take to move the new Yat-Zar in from the conveyors. The five priests and the archer-captain were still unconscious. One of the policemen was searching them. 
Here's the sort of weapons these priests carry, he said, holding up a short iron mace with a spiked head. Carry them on their belts. He tossed it on the table and began searching another knocked-out hierophant. Like this. Hey, look at this, will you? He drew his hand from under the left side of the senseless man's robe and held up a sigma-ray needler. Verkan Vall looked at it and nodded grimly. Had it in a regular shoulder holster, the policeman said, handing the weapon across the table. What do you think? Find anything else funny on him? Wait a minute. The police pulled open the robe and began stripping the priest of Muz Ozen. Verkan Vall came around the table to help. There was nothing else of a suspicious nature. Could have got it from one of the prisoners, but I don't like the familiar way he's wearing that holster, Verkan Vall said. Has the conveyor gone back yet? When the policeman nodded, he continued, When it returns, take him to the first level. I hope they bring up the sleep drug with the next load. When you get him back, take him to de Hergabar by straddle rocket immediately, and make sure he gets back alive. I want him questioned under narco-hypnosis by a regular Paratime Commission psychotechnician in the presence of Chief Tartha Karf and some responsible Commission official. This is going to be hot stuff. Within an hour the whole force was assembled in the temple. The wooden screen had presented no problem. It slid easily to one side, and the big idol floated on anti-gravity in the middle of the temple. Verkan Vall was looking anxiously at his watch. End of section 4